0: Welcome and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Welcome to Graceland Church. Worship team, great job. Thank you for blessing us today, serving us, all you guys. Before I get into the message today, I just wanted to celebrate a few things. We have a lot of people on our team here that put an enormous amount of care and love and intentionality into everything they do. And we have on our driveway a couple potholes kind of near where you go over the pond. You guys know the two I'm talking about. If you're a regular here, sometimes you have to avoid them on your way out. And someone uh, just this Sunday filled them up for us, not this Sunday, this week, filled them up. Uh, I didn't even ask anyone to do it. Someday we'll pave it, but they just took the care an effort without being asked. It was one of our awesome board members. I wanted to just highlight our Newcomers Connect team too. We had another great Newcomers Connect last Sunday. Um, and the Kutz family, I don't know where they are. They go above and beyond to just uh, serve. Uh, yeah, there's, there's some, some representation here. Uh, to create a great platter of food and all kinds of things and uh, welcome new people into the church family. Uh, we've really loved having James Younger more involved in our worship ministry here who brings an enormous amount of, yeah, shout out to James, an enormous amount of care and thoughtfulness uh, to everything he does. Uh, just yesterday, uh, Whitney and Robin, uh, who lead our, our young Graceland Kids ministry, uh, upgraded the room a little bit. Check this out. Go to the other photo, Hannah. It's beautiful, right? So we're, we're making that kid's wing work uh, as best for us as possible as uh, we prepare the expansion and building some new space for our kids. But I, I know it's a sun, so this is a silly thing to say, but it just feels so much warmer in there for these Grayson kids. And they're doing a great job writing uh, curriculum and lessons for these kids, an enormous amount of care and effort. And I could call out a bunch of incredible things happening. We have some more baby dedications and baptisms coming up. And I I wanted to clarify this because of some feedback that I got. We did a few baby announcements uh, two Sundays ago where we announced three new babies that were born into our church family. And then we did a baby dedication At the same time, and I realized there was some confusion around why we brought one baby up and not the other babies up. It was because we do two different things. Anytime there's a baby born, if the uh, family is okay with it, we announce that baby and just celebrate uh, a new baby in our church family. And then, if and when that family wants they can sign up to do a baby dedication. So for those ones that we announced, uh, we will be dedicating those babies at some point in the future if those families want. Does that make sense to everybody? Same with baptisms. If you have not been baptized, we just wait for people to let us know they're ready, and then we schedule one. We have one coming up in early March and possibly one towards the tail end of February as well. We just love to make it work whenever people are gonna be here and have their families here and want to get baptized. I also wanna invite all of you to a chance to just connect with the church family some more this upcoming Saturday at the Nashville Zoo. We're just gonna meet at 10 a.m. <laughs> We're gonna meet at 10 a.m. outside the front entrance and just hang out and have a great time, have some food, see some monkeys and bears, and hopefully we'll see the tiger and all that kind of stuff. It's a great zoo. And the reason we do all this um, is because we, we love Jesus. Our teams serve as unto the Lord. Therefore, they give an enormous amount of care into what they do. And God has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. That is the message of hope that he's called us to share with the world. And we care for and pastor the church that is and the church that is not yet, meaning we are on mission together. And you may not know it yet, but if you're here and you're part of our family, you're part of our team. And God has called us to love our city well. And so everything we do and the care we put into it reflects that and how we serve Jesus. I'm going to share a message with you today uh, by beginning with a research project from the Human Connectome Project where they tracked thoughts and exposed the mental noise uh, that that happened in people's minds, recently released in 2020 and 2021. And they came to the conclusion that people typically have more than 6,000 thoughts per day And since each new thought generates a new, what they call, thought thought worm, which I know is a gross idea, researchers can recognize when one thought ends and the next thought begins. And after testing these transitions, they found a median rate of about 6.5 thought transitions per minute. So that idea makes me tired just reading it. That means that all of us, on average, every minute we live, we change our train of thought about 6.5 times, and that makes our average amount of thoughts per day 6,000. That is a lot of being drawn in different directions throughout any given day. And then you add on top of that all the information coming towards us. Studies say that the average American has about 85 texts per day, receives about 120 emails, and sends about 40 Spends about two and a half hours on social media per day, which for a lot of our young people in Gen Z, some stats say that's up to seven, eight, or nine hours. And then 27 conversations per day. And then for adults, the average American, they say, is spending over seven hours a day looking at some sort of screen connected to the internet. That is a lot coming our way. And last Sunday, we also talked about managing our own emotions, because every thought we have oftentimes triggers some emotion in us. So we are being drawn in many different directions every minute, every hour of every day. And the really good news here, and what we're gonna focus on for the next few minutes, is that the most powerful and lasting voice that is drawing us of all the voices, and that is the voice of the living God, has promised that he himself is drawing us towards himself. And that's the title today, Jesus Is drawing you. Amidst all the other noise, all the other voices, there is one more powerful that we can choose to pay attention to. I'm gonna read John 12, 36 through 31, and then we're gonna go through each verse and learn a little bit more today about this promise. This is right before Jesus was about to go to his crucifixion. It's important to note. And then in verse 31, we pick up. Jesus says this Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? Then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. And if you look back at the beginning of verse 31, Jesus says something that potentially seems inconsistent with some other things he said. He says, now is the time for judgment on this world. And we have to ask ourselves, how does that reconcile with John 3.16, just a little bit earlier in this book, where it says, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, But to save the world, yet here Jesus is saying, now is the time for judgment on this world. And what we're going to understand here is these next few verses help us understand what was accomplished on the cross. The thing that Jesus was about to do. And he is saying now, what's about to happen on the cross is the judgment on this world. Specifically, him taking that judgment upon himself. That's what the message of the cross is, this gospel, this good news. It proclaims that there is judgment for sin. We have all together rebelled against God, come under the curse of sin. We choose to go the other direction and we stand under the judgment of God. Yet Jesus says, I will satisfy that judgment upon the cross. I will bear all the weight of all of our collective sin and shame and guilt and be broken himself so that we may be free, so that we will no longer bear that guilt. So in that sense, we see the justice of God played out on this cross. And then if you continue reading, he says, now the prince of this world will be driven out. He's talking about Satan, the enemy of our souls, the prince of this world. So not only is Jesus overcoming sin, and the consequence of sin. He is declaring his victory over the enemy of our souls, Satan. This is accomplished on this cross. That is the victory of Jesus. And then if you continue to read in verse 32, he says, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. So this is showing us yet another facet of what's accomplished on the cross. He says, because of what I'm doing when I am lifted up All people can come to me and receive rest, receive mercy, receive what they do not deserve. That's grace and not receive what they do deserve. That's mercy. And so point number one is just so powerful in this message. The justice, victory, and mercy of God met at the cross of Jesus. All perfectly fulfilled, all perfectly satisfied in the death and resurrection of Christ. That's why ultimately when we are remembering the faithfulness of God towards us, the first and foremost thing that we ought to remember is what has been accomplished on this cross. That's why churches to this day have crosses in them. People wear crosses, which is highly unusual because at the time in the Roman government, this was just a common form of capital punishment for the worst criminals, Yet God in the flesh, Jesus, God made known, made known to us, accomplishes all of this through what he did on a cross like this. That's why we take communion. At the end of the service today, Everyone's here is going to have a chance to take communion with us because Jesus commanded us to remember what's been accomplished on the cross for us. And if you've never been in the most beautiful way broken, at the foot of the cross of Jesus, I'm praying for that for you. That's part of our encountering the Lord. That's part of our understanding his love for us is a revelation of what happened at the cross. And then look at the promise side of this. He says, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. So number two, Jesus is drawing all people to himself as he demonstrates his love and provision on the cross. The cross should show everyone in this world, the worst of sinners, the worst rebels, the ones that feel like they would get struck by lightning if they stepped into a church building. God loves them so much that he pays the highest price for them, which declares their worth. How many people, which people I should say, does the scripture say Jesus will draw to himself when He is lifted up? All of them. Who is Jesus wanting to draw? All of them. I'm a huge music fan, and so I always get a little bit grieved each year during the Grammys, and I don't know if anybody here watched them. I did watch it, and you got to be careful if you're going to watch it. There's a lot of, in modern music, everything gets kind of hijacked with uh, sensualism and a gazillion agendas and all kinds of things. Really, uh, the vision of the enemy of our souls for our life Um, speaks that vision to us oftentimes through music. And these gifts that these musicians have, make no mistake, are from the Lord. These gifts are from God. Music belongs to the Lord, but it gets perverted and used for other purposes. You guys tracking with me? So you gotta be careful what you listen to on a regular basis. You gotta be careful what you celebrate. But then at the same time, We as Christians are not meant to be afraid and like put X's up like this and run away because we've been entrusted with the message of hope of the cross to share it with who? All people because Jesus is trying to draw all people to himself. So we don't need to get worked up into a frenzy about what we know, what the enemy is trying to do in the world. We know he's trying to do it. It's the same stuff he's always been trying to do. And we don't have a spirit of fear. We hold up what it's been accomplished through the cross. Let me remind you of those three things, the justice, victory, and mercy of God, the things that we long for, the entire like woke movement, those those core things where they're, they're looking for justice, they're looking for compassion, and they're getting deceived into wrong ways of accomplishing it. It's looking for for love in all the wrong places, right? But how are we drawn towards Jesus, the justice, victory, and mercy of God? God cares about these things. God cares about every person sitting in those Grammy, Grammy seats, every performer. I have a burden that I just can't shake. I just have a burden. We are called to share this message with the people in the world that nobody else wants, period, And those are the people we welcome at Graceland Church. Those are the people we want through these doors so that they can encounter the living God that created them, that is for them, that longs for them. Are you guys all tracking with me on this? And then I wanna encourage you to make this personal. Jesus is drawing you to himself. And if you're writing, you could actually write me. Jesus is drawing me to himself as he demonstrates his love and provision on the cross. And I wanna just encourage you And remind you that this whole thing about God is far bigger than you. Now, you have a place in it. Don't hear me wrong. You matter significantly in this story. But it's far bigger and stronger than you. I've said it like this before, but Jesus is a better Savior savior than you are a sinner. And he's a better drawer. He's better at drawing you than you are at running from him. You can't mess up what he's done for you. You can only receive it. You can reject it, but you can't spoil it. It will never fade. His love is everlasting. His purpose, his plan for your life, everlasting. He demonstrates his love for you and his provision for you, meaning he has provided a way for you. He has made this possible for you to have everything he created for you through what he did on the cross. Is that something you want? Do you long for that? Do you hunger for that? You can't mess it up. You just say yes to it. And you keep following after him. And he allows you to grow in grace more and more into his holiness. And then in verse 34, the crowd speaks up. And they say, we've heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? You see, in this time, everyone knew the phrase what be lifted up meant. That's not really something we talk about now because we don't have crucifixions. But in the Roman Empire of that day, when you use the phrase someone's going to be lifted up, it means they're going to die on a cross. So they're basically saying, Jesus, if you're the Messiah, how can you say you have to die? The Messiah is supposed to live forever. They just don't understand. And we actually know from studying the context here that the people asking these questions are using questions to resist God. They feel threatened by Jesus in this context. And I want you to hear this clearly. Questions before God are totally welcome and okay. We should talk to God about everything going on in our world. We should pour out our hearts to him, the scripture says. But let's not use questions as our reason to continue resisting him, right? He also says we're meant to come to him with faith like a child and humility, that even when we don't understand everything, we say yes to what he has for us. And here's what the crowd was doing. They tried to explain away the beauty and power of the cross of Jesus. And let me tell you, you will feel the temptation to explain away the beauty and power of the cross of Jesus. And in number five, I said it this way, be careful that you don't try to explain away what God has done, and is doing in your life. You will at times, in your more challenging moments, try to just explain away everything God has done in your life. We are so good at justifying things. We are so good at rewriting the story. I just, maybe I just did that for myself. Maybe it was just luck, and and, and reframe all the blessing of God as just natural. You guys know what I'm talking about? We will be tempted to do this, and it disconnects us from the beauty and wonder of what God has done. And we will also be tempted to explain away what he is doing in us right now. And I wanna encourage you not to explain it away. The cross and what he has done through it doesn't always make sense in our natural mind. It's a wild concept. Yet this is how God has chosen to demonstrate his love and provision for us. So I don't know about you, but I wanna maintain a childlike faith and say, yes, Lord, I want this. I want the power of your cross in my life. I want to understand who you are. And then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light. (laughs) I love the simplicity and logic of that statement. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. And when he had finished speaking, Jesus left himself hid himself, sorry, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Let me just explain a bit of what I really believe the Lord is saying here, at least part of what he's saying there. Light in scripture always represents God, his holiness, his glory, his direction, his power, and his strength. So specifically here, knowing Jesus is just a couple days away from going to his crucifixion, and then he's going to overcome death in the grave, hang out for a little while, and then ascend back to his father. He's literally saying in that sense my earthly ministry is coming to a close here but there's also a general sense that the light has come and salvation is available to us all victory is available to us but that time will not always be because we will be called to account before the lord and that's why we see the urgency in second corinthians 6 the apostle paul says as god's co-workers we urge you not to receive god's grace in vain For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. So my encouragement for you today in response to this love and provision that has been demonstrated for you is this. Believe in the light today because now is the time of God's favor and today is the day of salvation. That's number six if you're a note taker. This is a mystery, I don't claim to fully understand it, but we need to step into what God has for us sooner than later. What are we waiting for? What are you waiting for? Perhaps you've been resisting or explaining away and you sense Jesus drawing you. Well, scripture prophetically declares to us, now is the time of God's favor. Today is the day of salvation. And sometimes we put things off for tomorrow not realizing In a very real sense, tomorrow never comes because whenever we choose to do something, it always is today. When tomorrow comes, it will be today. And let me just ask you, why would we ever put off the most decision of, the most important decision of our lives until tomorrow? Why would we wait? There is nothing more important in your life than believing in the light, than responding to Jesus responding to what's been done on the cross for you. Everything else in your life flows from that, period. You want a healthy uh, emotional state? You want mental health? You want healthy relationships? You want a good future marriage? You want a a restorative power in your marriage now? You want kids and grandkids uh, to see the light in you? You wanna be able to have blessing in whatever context you're living right now? Believe in the light. Now is the time of God's favor. Today is the day of salvation. Any other attempt to bring yourself into that in any other way is in vain. Our only response to the gospel is to say yes and receive it. I believe in the light. Are you guys tracking with me on this? This is the most important thing in your life. And there's another principle here that I always glean from this text. And that's number seven. Make your decisions based on what you have seen in the light. It's similar to what we talked about last week. We don't let emotions dictate our decisions. A lot of times we do, but we are called into a greater sense of health and self-control. What do we let dictate our decisions? What we have seen in the light. When I'm in my lowest of lows or when I'm counseling people in their lowest of lows, one of the most important things to realize and try to cling to is don't make any major decisions when you're down there, my friend because you're not, you're not thinking about the truth right now. Remember what you saw in the light and live based on that. It's kind of like when I wake up super early sometimes. I get up really early on Sundays, and sometimes throughout the week for meetings or special things going on. Usually one or two of my kids ends up in my wife and I's bed. Any parents know what I'm talking about? So, so that happens, and when I wake up, it's pitch black in there. And the last thing my wife wants is for me to wake up like a four-year-old at 4.30 a.m., right? It's gonna really mess up the flow of the morning. So I don't turn on any lights. I don't even put on the flashlight on my phone. And I make my decisions about how to walk through my pitch black room based on what I saw in the light, right? That's where my end table is. That's where the edge of the bed is. That's where we have like a pile of clothes that needs to be put away. And then of course, the ultimate thing that I want to avoid is the worst thing that can happen as a parent, I'm exaggerating, is with no socks or shoes on, stepping on one single Lego right in the center of your foot, it just kills. You can step on like 10 or 12, but it's those solitary, isolated Legos that absolutely destroy you. And this is just... A silly way to remember, sometimes in life, we feel like we're in the dark. And I just wanna encourage you, if you feel like you're in the dark, you're not always gonna be there. And make sure you make your decisions right now based on what you saw in the light. In other words, who are you? Who has God said you are? Who has God said is gonna be in your future? How has God called you to live? What kind of revelation has God given to your mind about how to conduct yourself in the workplace? right? All the practical things of life like that. Make your decisions based on what you've seen in the light. And I don't know where you're at today. As the team comes up, I just want to encourage you. You just might feel the urgency of the Spirit of God in your heart this morning telling you, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of God's favor. What are you waiting for? This almost sounds cliche, and so many pastors or televangelists have used it and almost abused people with it, but we need to talk about with the truth. We need to talk about the truth that tomorrow isn't guaranteed. It's not. The rest of today is not guaranteed. Now is the time of salvation. Today is the day of God's favor. And if you need to respond to him, forget about me, forget about everyone you're sitting around. This is between you and your creator, the living God the Holy One, the Glorious One. And He loves you, and He calls you, and He draws you. He's drawing you right now. Or perhaps you just need to be reminded, man, I may feel in the dark right now. I may be making some horrible decisions. But if you'll close your eyes and bow your hearts with me, let's just say, God, I want to I be reminded of what I saw in the light. Remind me that the darkness will not be forever. The season that I'm in, is that just a season? It will change, God. Reinvigorate our hearts with the hope that is promised to us through the cross. It's deeper than emotionalism. It's deeper than wanting to go to church or not. It's deeper than wanting to read your Bible or not. It's deeper than feeling great or not. It is an unshakable hope based on the truth of God. And it says that you are beloved. You are a treasure in his eyes and you fall short in sin and in brokenness like all of us. But he has made a way for you to repeatedly, day after day, return wholeheartedly to him. So what we're gonna do is before you open your eyes, I just want you to solidify in your heart whether you wanna follow Jesus, whether you wanna say yes. And you might've been following for a long time, but let's say yes again today. There is no coasting here. Right, we're saying, Yes, Lord, you have my whole heart. God, lead me in the way everlasting. Maybe for the first time you're praying, Lord, forgive me. God, I want a greater understanding of what you have done through the cross. I need to know of this justice, this victory, and this mercy. I sense longing in my heart. And what we're going to do is we're going to take communion as our response today. So, Everyone is welcome to take communion, but if you take it, you are declaring before us and the Lord that you want to be a follower of Christ. So if you don't have a packet, you can raise your hand real quick and Oscar or Stephen will bring you one around. There's one up here, guys. There's a few on the sides. Just hold your hand up for one second and they'll bring it. Everyone else, go ahead and take your communion pack and take out the bread first, the little cracker. Scripture teaches us that This little piece of bread represents the body of Christ broken for us. And look at what Jesus says in 1 Corinthians 11. It said, Jesus gave thanks. He broke the bread. And he said something so remarkable here, guys. He said this to his disciples. He says this to us. He says, this is my body, which is what? For you. How incredible is that? Scripture says the body of Christ is for you. So, Lord, thank you that you have such a love for us. You're so committed to our salvation. You're so committed to our freedom. You're so committed to wanting to be with us and make a way for us that you allowed your body to be broken. You allowed yourself to be bruised and sick and hurt so that we could be whole. And we thank you for it today. Let's eat together, church. Go ahead and open the other side of your packet, which has the juice in it. Jesus then says in verse 25 of 1 Corinthians 11, so wondrous is this promise. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So God, we thank you that there is a power so strong that it defeats everything else in our lives. The power of the new covenant in your blood, which says we are forgiven, which says we are free which says we have hope, which says we are adopted as sons and daughters, 100% completely into the family of God, which speaks over us a better word, Scripture says. Church, are you hearing me here? This blood is the most powerful thing in the world, and it speaks over us the new covenant. So God, we receive it this morning. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us for sometimes believing things about ourselves that are not true being so down on ourselves, not stepping into what you have said by faith. Thank you for the better word spoken over us that we are the beloved daughters and sons of you, the living God. We remember as we drink. We could just close our eyes around the room real quick. I just want to put a picture in our minds. You know, we, we carry all these burdens. You know, we feel the weight of our sin. We also sometimes just carry the weight of the world. Why? I have no idea, but we have this tendency to just take every challenge in our life and stack it on our shoulders, and sometimes not just our own, but our loved ones, and the problems in our country or in our world, and we just, we, we carry all of this, and that's what's so beautiful about coming repeatedly back into the presence of God, gathering with the family of God, reminding ourselves of the provision of God, the power of the cross, and just releasing it at the feet of Jesus. That's what we do. We just release it at the feet of Jesus. So I want to sing this chorus again, and I want you to get whatever burden you're carrying, and we're going to close with this. We're we're about to close, but whatever burden, whatever feels like the impossibility or the unfixable thing, in your life right now. We just have stuff we're going through. I I know we have our own things in my family and there's challenges. And if, if you'd like, you can just do this at a heart level, but you could also just lift your hands with me as a sense of saying, here's all this, Lord. And that includes my guilt. It includes where I fall short, but it's a reminder of saying, God, you are the one who's faithful even when I'm not. You're the one who's true. and all my life, you've been faithful. Remember, guys, he was the one that was faithful to you when you weren't even thinking about him. He, he, he created you out of his faithfulness before you could even think. He dreamed you up. You're his masterpiece. Even when you were running full force away from him, he was creating a way for your salvation. He was creating the path for you to come home. So he is above and beyond everything that challenges us. And so let's sing this chorus again with our hearts and hands raised, and with our voices, all my life. And and let's not just say, all my life you've been. But as we sing those words, let's remind ourselves, he's faithful now and he'll always be faithful. Everlasting God, everlasting love, everlasting one, everlasting heavenly home, everlasting promise. Let's just sing it and release everything at the foot of the one who's drawing us, all my life. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing. Come on, one more time. All my life. Come on, join with the angels and sing his praises. Oh my life you happy. We're joining with all creation the trees of the forest sing Oh my life you have been told, so so guys look at me real quick before we close. My prayer for you this week is that when you get into those 85 texts, like today and tomorrow, and those emails, and you get into those 6.5 different trains of thought every minute. You get into those 6,000 thoughts that you're going to think tomorrow. I'm going to be praying for you all week to have moments of pause when you just remember Jesus is drawing you. And Jesus has declared. Your victory in him. He says his victory becomes yours. And I'm going to pray you step into it by faith based on what he's done, not what you've done. And that you'll receive his mercy. You'll receive his grace. You'll receive the longing of your heart in ways that you won't expect. Because he's going to remind you. and You're going to pay attention to his drawing power in your life. That is my prayer. It's my prayer for myself as well. So let me pray for us. benediction as we close the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you the lord turn his face towards you and give you peace and the blessing of all of god almighty the father the son and the holy spirit be among you and remain with you always in christ's name we pray amen